Hey, welcome, our one loyal listener, to uh, Your Dog's Best Life <laughs> with Leanne and Emily. Um, we have a special guest here with us today, which I will let Leanne introduce, but I did want to go ahead and kind of put the disclaimer, <clears throat> excuse me, put the disclaimer at the front end of this um, that this particular uh, episode um, is about more about uh, training exotic animals and interacting with exotic animals. We are not going to touch on, discuss, be in the same zip code with the ethics or morality of keeping some of these exotic animals. Um, that's a deep, dark well that we are just not going to go anywhere near. So uh, this is more for the training aspect of things. That, awesome. Does that just about cover it, Leanne? That does. That does. Okay. And, uh, and we will cover it at some point. Just we won't do it with somebody who actually has animals in that case so that we can uh, speak speak freely and not put poor Alicia on the spot. <laughs> so defend yourself now, young lady. Um, so uh, Alicia, I'm going to introduce Alicia. This is Alicia Antle, and she is the animal and animal handler at Myrtle Beach Safari, which is in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, she and I are actually really old uh, friends. We we met quite a long time ago. And er, howdy, Alicia. Hello, I am Alicia Antle, and um, Leanne and I are more than just friends because she tortured me as a child. So <laughs> let, let's be real here. <laughs> let, let's, She's I part of a really ride. special club. <laughs> I had to ride horses without stirrups, okay? So we're really, we're really close. Brutal. Um, I'm Alicia Antle. I work at Myrtle Beach Safari. I'm one of the animal handlers. And yes, I am Doc Antle's niece from the Tiger King. That is me. <laughs> I feel like there should be like, dun, dun, dun. Or Fire some works. sort of like, yeah, like dramatic oh, yeah. music. So Alicia, a little bit, let's start at the beginning. So how, I mean, obviously nepotism is at play, but b- barring, <laughs> barring that. I'm going to have to Google I mean, nepotism now. <laughs> See, so, she fell off the horse too many times because you wouldn't let her use syrup. So, so other than being related to Doc Antle, uh, give us kind of a history of kind of how you ended up there. Cause not every one of your, I mean, I know your family and not everybody suddenly shunted off. You grew up in Arizona and so you had to actually get in a car and choose to go to South Carolina. So give us a little history of kind of how you ended up there and, uh, tell us a little bit about what you do there. All right. Uh, yeah. So I was born and raised in Arizona. I come from a long line of people who ride horses and did a bunch of professional cowboying, or at least they thought they were professionals, my dad. Um, but I grew up right around horses, and that's what I did as a child, and I loved it and was really good at it. Um, I spent a lot of time, first came to know a tiger was when I was nine years old, and I fell in love and said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Well, I took some, you know, back roads to get back here. Um, I worked with my uncle and the company on and off since I was about 15. And finally, at the age of 30, I said, the real life is too much. The real world is too much. I'm going to get back to the animals. And that's how I came back here this time. 
Um, and now I've been here for about five years. And yeah, and awesome. I got got on an airplane and said, "Peace out, Tucson." <laughs> oh man, do I wish I could do that right about now? Yeah, you guys are on fire, and and we're we're flooding. So oh well, never mind then. Yeah, I don't want to be mind. flooding. Flooding sounds terrible. No, at least I can toast marshmallows. Yes. Yeah. From far with a really, really long stick. I only <laughs> I only joke because as of the last I knew, nobody had lost any homes. There's right. been no loss of li- loss of life, anything like that. Otherwise right. I would not be joking. Right. They saved Summer Haven, it looks like. So yeah. Um, which we're all like, yay. Um, so Alicia, so uh, you're so Alicia and I are like I said, we're still really good friends on Facebook and her feed, her her Facebook feed is filled with her playing with freaking tigers and what lemurs the other day was it lemurs it was lemurs oh my god the coolest thing so go ahead and tell us because this is so flipping cool honestly this is the coolest damn thing really i yeah like no i'm sitting here going how can i bargain a barter a puppy for uh tiger playtime like how do i you're selling other people's puppies yes that's all i've got to work with right now leanne leave me alone oh so so alicia tell us i mean good god just just tell us how cool your life is We'll, we'll we'll listen tell us how cool your life is okay um well i i i like to be humble but i definitely have the best time every day of my life um, my life is not a job. Um, this is what I love doing, even dealing with the public, you know, as some people don't like that, but I do like dealing with the public and educating the public on what I do. And a lot of basically what my day consists of is I wake up in the morning. There's no sleeping in when you have babies. I wake up in the morning. I feed whatever babies I have. Um, I work very closely with all the youngins under the eight, you know, under the age of one that are around the clock care. Um, I work very closely under um, China York, who has been here and lived here and worked um, side by side with my uncle for 20 years. Um, and she basically, when I watch her work animals and, and deal with the animals, it's like watching someone dance the Russian ballet. It's pretty impressive and something I aspire to be like, but so I work very closely with her and I learn so much every day and that to me, and no day is the same. So I, there's not the monotony of waking up every day, but I mean, right now in my care is, um, I have about five baby tigers that are about two months old that I am with, you know, all day long. I live here. So all of us live here. It is a 24 hour a day, seven day a week thing. Um, because to build those relationships with these animals so that they could have relationships with everybody else, um, it takes the time and dedication to, you know, and just like everybody knows with their dogs or their horses or any other animal, it's, it's a constant, you know, reminder of, of being with them all the time. And, um, you know, like I said, every day is different. We, three days a week, we do run the safaris for the public um, and that is like a Broadway show in some ways where people come and then we get to shock them with the world's largest big cat, the liger. Um, they get to have hands on contact with the African elephant bubbles who my uncle has had for um, like 30, I, the elephant's 39 and she, he, so he's had it for about 39 years. Um, 
and she just lives with us. She lives in the center of everything. There's an African elephant that just lives in our yard. Hey, my name's Bubbles. I'm the matriarch of the family. If you do anything wrong, I'm going to tell on you. And let me tell you, she does. <laughs> you come home at 3 o'clock in the morning and wake her up, she is going to trumpet and say, why are you here at 3 o'clock in the morning? That has happened. Oh, that's um, so sneaking, cool. <laughs> no sneaking out on Bubbles. No. <laughs> not happening so I have a question for you then yes so my area is you know just basically pet dog training um I don't you know I don't do like behavior cases or things like that so just pet dog training and for us there's always like you know there's a certain set of behaviors that you kind of hope you can instill in every puppy when they're young um, to be a more successful adult dog. Are there similar things that you guys strive to teach or instill in the tiger cubs when they're little? And is there a timeline for that of like, okay, we got to make sure that they're comfortable, you know, with this by this age, and we got to make sure that they're reliably doing this behavior by this age, or is it just general handling that you get them used to when they're when they're the babies um no definitely it is it is that exactly um you know especially when it comes to leash training um you know being comfortable with leashes being comfortable going on walks being comfortable with the outside um definitely start early um you know you just start as your basic you know you just hang out with them with a collar on so they just get used to a collar and then you move into the more technical you know you walk on the right side you know specific leash leash skills and walking skills um, definitely starts at a young age you know and being kicked up and held um, also has to all be done in a certain way tigers like to be held a certain way um, you have to know how to stimulate mom's mouth and pick them up and carry them as if you were mom running through the jungle um, because that's the most com that's how they are the most comfortable so doing that and and the repetition of that and being able to you know get them used to everything you know we constantly you know of course you want you don't the best the best kind of animal in general, not even just exotics, but animals is animals that can adapt to any situation and aren't, you know, spooky or aren't going to run off or, and it's just about the exposure of different things and different smells and different situations. You know, the best gift you can give an animal is new sights, sounds, and smells. And that's something that we consistently try to do even from the beginning, you know, as it's, you know, hanging out with them while you're watching television and, you know, making sure there's music playing and constantly talking to them really leads up to, you know, when that tiger's 500 pounds and you call its name, it's coming to you. It knows who you are. It knows that I, you know, was with it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, it definitely is a huge difference versus some of the older cats that I didn't have a hand in raising. They know who I am and they know that I'm a human that probably has, you know, a bottle but they don't respond the same exact way as the same exact cats that I have hand raised myself personally and have had a hand in. Um, so it's all the same, you know, at a certain age, they eat, start eating meat, you know, they, when they're little, it's, you know, they eat bottle every four hours. Um, the little, little ones that the moms aren't taking care of, um, the critical care ones, you know, those guys are every two hours. 
um, to every three hours and have to be fed through the night, depending on, you know, how they're doing. Um, and so we just want to make sure that success rate of those cubs happens because a mom tiger doesn't care. You know, she only cares about the strong and right. she's only going to pay attention to the strong. You know, if a tiger can have a litter up to six and, you know, most of the time six of those tigers are not going to survive. Um, so it's all about, you know, understanding and knowing the like little tiny, tiny things that I don't even know yet, you know, because it's just not, I'm not as a hundred percent a natural as, you know, my uncle can look at something and just like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what, why, you know, how do you know that? And then he'll explain it to me. And that's one of the best parts of my job is I get to ask him all of these questions and I get to tap into his, 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 you know, he's kind of like a, like a mad professor in some ways. And I get to tap into that, that thought process of understanding, you know, why is it like this? And what does this mean? And, you know, asking those questions is to me, I have a great time with all of that. I want to know why I want to learn more. I want to be a part of it. I, I want to, you know, I wish I would have been as committed as I am now at the age of 21 because things would be totally different. But I, I literally have to run into a building to figure life out. So that was me. <laughs> Emily and, both are, and I are both going, okay, we're a hell of a lot older. So just on the whole. Calm down. <laughs> Cool your jets, uh, Shoot. <laughs> is, so, there, is there a time limit when we're supposed to have it figured out? Because I missed that memo. No, no, there's no. You're good. 70, I think. Okay, Maybe good. 85. 70? Yeah. Um, Great. Yeah, 70 or 80. Just, so. just in time for your memory to go, so then it doesn't matter. <laughs> so you can just have a new job every day. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, so, so, so one of the things I think is, I, I just find the idea of handling tigers just insane. So, um, do you do you use food rewards for? Ti- I mean, do they take treats? I mean, do or their hand? I mean, how do you not get eaten by a tiger? <laughs> I'm just thinking of feeding a, a food to a Labrador. It's just like <laughs> magic. It's magic, Leanne. No, um... you teach them to catch really, really well. <laughs> yep, our tigers are fat and well fed. Um, so they're not hungry ever. Um, yes, the reward system a lot more with tigers is a lot of positive reinforcement. Tigers are, as much as we don't know that tigers are social from what we know tigers are social, I don't know if that makes sense. You know, we haven't, there haven't been enough tigers around for us to study because we for so many years got rid of their population that there was never an abundance of tigers like there is an abundance of lions that we've been able to watch. Well, that makes so sense. We don't know, you know, necessarily, but from what I know, tigers are very social and what I watch them do and, and how they interact with each other and how they interact with, with us is very much about affection, very much about that positive being with you and wanting to spend time with you as crazy as that sounds because it's a tiger. Um, it, it, it's the case. So a lot of, you know, coming out and going for a walk to them is just, just as good as if it was a reward system. That, that is, that is a reward. You know, it's not, they have these huge, massive um, outdoor exhibits and enclosures that are just massive, but to be able to go on that walk 
you know, and, and see new things and go swimming in the ponds. I don't know if any of you follow my cousin Cody, um, Cody Antle, but he has a lot of stuff that floats around all over social media. He's the only guy with long hair that is walking full-grown cats. Um, <laughs> okay, but at the end of the day, I mean... Yeah. Bottles. They love bottles. They're cats. They're cats. Like, I mean, I hate to, I hate to make that that connection yeah, yeah. because it's like saying, oh, dogs are wolves. Um, right. But I mean, they, they're, they're cats and cats well, are social thing, creatures. I yes. mean. The thing about the, the tigers and, and feline cats, like our house cats, they're the, the, of course, yes, they're felines, but the distance between them is, is surpasses the distance even between wolves and dogs. Right. Right. Um, like so there's there's levels of cats there's the panthera family which is the lions leopards the tigers and the jaguars and those guys are pretty much top dog they don't really have any natural predators leopards do a little bit because a lion will kill a leopard in the wild but they're not hunting each other you know they're not really hunted by anything so they will sleep on their backs legs wide open they don't give a flying f in the world um, versus the lesser cats, and I hate to call them that, but that's what they are. Smaller. The lesser, lesser as in smaller. Yeah, lesser <laughs> cats are your cheetahs, your mountain lions, your lynxes, your bobcats, your servals, your you know fishing cats. That list goes poof is astronomical. Um, they are are more neurotic, more scared. Um, you're not going to necessarily find a cheetah laying out in the open with its belly exposed because a lion does hunt a cheetah. Um, so it's, it's definitely about that. The, the big cats are more badass than the lesser cats and they aren't like, and they're not like as needy as house cats. And I, I have had house cats my whole life, but not now, but I did. And house cats want to take from you versus versus tigers as well as like our dogs what do i think that tigers are very similar to horses and that is what has made sense to me in explaining it to people that they are going to spook at the same things they're going to react the same way they you know your center of gravity is your most power when you're dealing with a horse and or you know a tiger it's it, there's so many similarities to that's why, it, for me, it transferred so easily. And I don't know if it's because my uncle grew up with horses, so then that's just his method, or if that's how it is. But, I mean, that's what works here, so. Interesting. Um, huh. To me, but lions are completely different. Lions are, <laughs> lions are bullheaded fighters that will, <laughs> they will not back down. A tiger will back down. A lion <laughs> will not. The lions are a lot harder to deal with. And they're fun. They're way more fun than tigers. They're cute. But, man, they are jerks. They can be such (laughs) jerks. So they're the terriers of the big cat world. Okay. there you go. We lost our one terrier listener. Good job. I know. I know. (laughs) Um, Damn it. Yeah. But, but yeah, they're they're just, you know, I don't know. They, They just... They're just magic. They really are, and it's so cliche to say, but every time I start with a new litter of cubs, 
I still look at them in their little stupid faces and I go, oh my God, you're literally the cutest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and I'm like, especially if I haven't had a small litter for a while and, you know, my cubs are nine months old, one year old, you know, they're, they're their own personality. They think they're in charge. They, you know, whatever it is, because they get that way, especially the females. But um, they... You know, and then all of a sudden, this this new little 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 litter is born, and I just go, "Oh yeah, you guys are so great." I don't know. It's just to me every time, every day, every okay. day to me makes sense. It day. totally it's makes fun. sense because yeah. I just I just had a litter of puppies and did the same thing. I'm yeah. like, and they're so now, different. I, they're all so different. Their personalities are different. They definitely have different personalities, and you know, I like to play the game of like, we are the world's um, largest breeding program and we are we have the most diverse dna of the bengal tiger and the bengal tiger uh, we have all four of the color variations which is the golden tabby tiger which is a white tiger with red saddle and red stripes there's the standard tiger which is of course the burnt orange and black there's the white tiger with the black stripes and then there's the snow white tiger which is not an albino which means black pigment but it's just a um, it has very faint gray stripes, and we have that genetic diversity, which is tracked through Texas A&M University, and and that is to, and they're all protected by the Species Survival Trust to ensure that the existence of the Bengal tiger still exists once there is no wild tiger left, because the last Ugh. thing we want to do is lose the genetics of the tiger because we are too stupid to fix the environment. So, I hate that. I hate that you had to say. When there are no Bengal tigers left, and it didn't even like, I was like, yep, yep. (laughs) No, I was just like, in in my brain, my brain went, (sighs) yep, (laughs) yeah. Because that is, I mean, let's be honest, that's the way it's going. Well, and the fear is, is I won't have kids, but if I did have kids, my children may not you know be be around for the tigers in the wild or even their grandkids let's just say my brother's kids because he has those um you know so it's just sad to know that 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 is what's happening and breeding programs like ours do have to exist unless none of us ever want to see a tiger again and you know that's where the the politics come into play but we'll talk about that <laughs> she, yeah. her voice drifts away yeah <laughs> and anywho <laughs> so so you said you mentioned lions and you mentioned tigers are there mm-hmm. other big cats that you guys regularly reg on a regular basis train there uh yes so um i have we have two jaguars that i deal with I don't know if you guys watch YouTube, but if you go on YouTube, there is a video of me in China taking our jaguars for walks. Um, well, but, now I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we have two jaguars. We have a spotted jaguar. His name is Inca. He's about three years old. He's about 220 pounds. And he is so cool. He wants to hang out with you. He wants to be with you. He wants to come out. He Every time he hears, especially China's voice, he's in love with China. Every time he hears China's voice, he, you know, is talking, and they can hear you from across. We have a 50-acre facility, and if you're close, within earshot, which is pretty far, he will talk to her and talk to her until, you know, she comes and sees him. Um, and he just wants to come out, wants to hang out. He's very cool. He's, they're built like pit bulls, though. 
they have these big old heads and these big old chests and they're just like these stocky they they look crazy but he's so cool and then he has a girlfriend and her name is Anka and she is <laughs> she's kind of like me she's kind of a little spastic and she's like I'm gonna run I'm gonna stop I'm gonna run I'm gonna stop I'm gonna lay here oh I'm gonna get up oh I'm gonna do it oh pet me oh don't pet me oh you know she and that's just who she is personality wise and and the YouTube um definitely shows all of that between the two because we take both of them for the walk um around the preserve and you can definitely just see and that's just difference in personalities and you know and because they were they were handled by the same people and it just happened that way um and then we have leopards and uh, leopards are um i just recently got to help with um a young leopard that we we have and they are so different than any of the other three cats that i've talked about um you know i to me it's it's new water, you know, they, they're, what they do is differently, how they walk is differently. They like to pet you with their tail. And I have watched leopards be raised, um, but I never got to be as hands-on as I am right now with his name's Bagheera, how original. But, um, <laughs> but everybody remembers it. <laughs> yeah. But he, because some of our the other names of some of our cats, I, I'm like, wait, what? It takes me about three months sometimes to get them right. But, um, but Bagheera is so slinky in there, you know, and he pets you with their tails. Leopards will pet you with their tails, and that's part of their socializing with each other, and they do that with you. Um, it's just they're, they're so different. I don't even know how to explain that because I'm not quite – he's about six seven months old so I'm not there yet with him I'm like still trying to figure him out I'm like what I don't oh is this right okay okay you know they're just different um but tigers I've worked with the most and tigers I know the most um so which is your if you had to pick I mean obviously you're most familiar with tigers but if you had to pick one that you feel was either the easiest or the the most entertaining to train those are well, probably mutually exclusive, but still. <laughs> um, I think I'm just going to have to default to tigers just because it's what I know the most of. Right, right. Um, but I love lions. I love the lions. I love the naughty lions. I love the good lions because <laughs> lions are so – we all know lions live in a pride. Like, that's on – all kind, you know, all the networks yeah. we've watched our whole lives, and they are very social, and they, they lay, and they just stay sweet for a long time until they don't, and <laughs> they just are just so there's just these balls of like little tan fat, and you just want to squish them, and they <laughs> they're so different than tigers, and um, but like I said, lions grow up, and then they're <laughs> they're lions, and they're just. <laughs> <laughs> I just love this because I like <laughs> substitute the word Rottweiler for lion and it's it's pretty much the same thing. Like I just well, love that no matter what the species yeah. yes. there's they're the same like there's the same theme Interlinked that runs with, through. Yes. And definitely definitely like Rottweiler. That's funny that you say that cuz I didn't even put that correlation together but they definitely it taking a lion for a stroll around the yard sometimes could be like playing pinball. You know, it's definitely, <laughs> it's not a straight line ever. And it's, 
I've had, I've had, you know, with, with my cousin Cody and, and China right there by my side, I've, I've had the chance to pick the lions around the yard, um, you know, who are bigger and these are, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a strong girl and it's, it's funny. It's definitely a, a extreme sport sometimes just, and it's not because of I'm in danger. It's just, I have to jump over that log or, you know, it's just, uh-huh. it's way, and, and recently I, we have Rottweilers too. So recently I took one of the Rottweilers out and I'm like, whoa, now that you mentioned that, it definitely <laughs> feels the same. There has, so both Leanne and I have a career as a vet tech and there have definitely been some times, and I mean, I am not, I'm not a petite person by any means, um, you know, and 20 plus years of being a vet tech, you, you develop some handling skills and some muscles. And there have definitely been times where somebody has handed me the leash. And as I'm walking back to treatment, I'm going, this could get sideways real quick, (laughs) real quick. I hope that we're all going the same direction. I just, please be sweet. Please be sweet. Please (laughs) don't let there be a poodle in the waiting room. Please don't let there be a poodle in the waiting room. Yes. Or, you know, the inevitable, you get back to treatment and their favorite tech is there. And the next thing you know, you're missing your right arm. You're like, oh, huh. Yeah, you just face skied across the floor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Alicia, so so it sounds like you handle them a lot from when they're kittens. I'm going to go on limb say they're kittens, yep. and or cubs Hub. or whatever. Yeah. And and so is there a time? Do they hit sexual maturity and it's kind of like more hands off because now? I mean, when does? Because I mean, we can't pretend these are not tigers, <laughs> cats. Cat. Yeah, yeah, and and that they're not domestic and they are still essentially wild animals. And so at some point, when does, when do you shift from cuddly cuteness to, um, this animal can eat me? Me personally, um, I step away at about, it, it always definitely depends on the docility of, of the cat that I step away from. But my uncle and my cousin who, have like I said my uncle's been doing this I think we're almost we're coming up on 40 years now um but he probably doesn't want me to say that because he's old but that's okay um (laughs) he admits it he admits it but um you know he you it it all depends he's had he's had guy we just took a 20 our 20 year old tiger boy out that's 20 years old but they definitely so sexual maturity is like it seems like it's about I think I know females can reproduce at three so it's probably about the same for the boys I don't know if they actually can figure it out until a little longer you know five to seven it seems to be you know men excuse the men listening are slow to the game sometimes and that is true for animals but um, 30 40 years ever if ever um but so so it it all is it's definitely specific to to the individual cat um, and the skill level of anybody who is dealing with them. But if a tiger or a lion or a leopard or a jaguar or the elephant or the chimpanzee says no, then that's a, we respect that. Okay, you're having a bad day today. You know what? We're not going to push you because you are a tiger. So it's a matter of understanding that language to know 
whether or not, but there are definitely some that don't ever want to come out and don't ever want to go on a walk and that's okay. And okay. that's fine. That's you know, and that yeah. it's all dependent on them. You know, you, you walk out there and you say, Hey, you know, Kailash, Hey, Ishta, you want to go for a walk? And they come up and they put their head down and you put the leash on and they walk out the door. Okay. But if so, one of them doesn't want to, you're not going in there and forcing them to do it. No, It's all a matter of res- <laughs> respect. Yeah, seriously. The respect of them and, and, and speaking the language, you know, the language is so, is so important, which is why you, it, it, if you, if people come to work here, it's, it, you have to live here. There's no so, way to do what we do without being here 24 hours a day, seven days a week, looking in their eyes every single day, knowing, you know, and, and, you know, I, my last checks at night are at 12 o'clock at night, you know, that's, and then I'm we're back at it at eight o'clock in the morning. So I'm, you know, looking in their eyes that many hours a day and, and you just, you just know, I don't know. So what you're saying is you, you, don't slap a shock collar on a tiger to get him to do what you want. No, I can't say I've ever tried. Or anyone here, Myrtle Safari. Yeah. Has no one alive. It. So, or, yeah. prong collar maybe. Prong collar. No, I know what it is. It's those alpha rolls. That's oh what does it. <laughs> it was actually one of my favorite quotes from a behavior um, seminar, but I have it written down somewhere. God, I wish I knew who said it. I want to say it was Susan Friedman, but I'm not entirely sure. Said something about um, if you want to see if dominance theory works, alpha roll a cat. Yeah, that's a good way to lose an arm. <laughs> I'm, I'm so uneducated. I don't even know what that is. What is that? So, oh, this is fun. Okay. May I, Leanne? May I? May, go ahead. Go ahead. So in the dog training world, there is this wildly outdated theory. Mm-hmm. Um incorrect theory, that a more dominant dog will, quote, quote, I'm air quoting, alpha roll a subordinate to show that they're in charge, meaning they will physically manipulate the other dog onto its back and stand over it to assert its dominance. And so if you've ever watched an episode of He Who Shall Not Be Named, Dog Trainer, on what was formerly National Geographic, um you'll see him use this technique all the time all the time for everything for everything and get bit frequently for doing so um to quote quote assert dominance um it's really shitty it's really shitty training and it's a really fast way to get bit right um but there are still trainers that use it and there are still trainers that advocate it and yeah. Yeah. See, I'm thinking like <laughs> what I pictured. I understand exactly what you say because we have wolves also. Um, and I watch them to each other. So now I understand. But I was imagining like putting some kind of like thing around the animal, like a sushi <laughs> roll. And maybe I'm hungry. <laughs> like a burrito? <laughs> So interesting, interesting fact on that one. If you watch your wolves, if you ever get the opportunity to watch your wolves, they actually voluntarily flip over. Yes, yes. Yeah. They they even do it as puppies. Right. To us. They'll do it. They'll do it to us, you know, and I've watched them do that and I'm like, oh, okay. 
which yes. is entirely different. Voluntarily saying, oh, shit, I'm sorry, is right. way different than being told, you know, say uncle. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So. I guess. If a tiger, if a tiger rolls over like that, then uh-huh. the tiger's going to fuck you up. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like when it's like when a cat rolls over and does yeah, the like gonna... you hear you hear the Clint Eastwood music in the back when your cat does that. Yeah. It's like I dare you. It's gonna fight you. Yeah, that yeah. definitely that they do that back roll thing and they're like, "Come on, I got all four feet." Yep. Up. Let's I was gonna go. say that yeah. that's like all blades engaged. Yep. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna be. It's gonna look like you went through a shredder. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Alicia, one of the questions I have is, so, because you were talking about body language earlier, and it's like, this is a two-part question. So the first part is, how hard is it to learn? The, I mean, we know, we know body language on cats, and we, because cats are, for one thing, cats are not terribly subtle with their body language, and we understand body language on horses and, and, and dogs, and so I can, mm-hmm. I can look at three species and understand their body language. But you have a little more than three species. So my first question is, is do you sit around all day long, like, w- like watch, paying attention to the body language of like a freaking meerkat? I mean, what does that look like? Or that's the first thing to study the body language so you can understand who's saying what to whom. And then the second thing is, do you find a significant difference in the body language of the different cats? Because you do have the very, very social lions who do live in a pack pride, whatever. Um, and so they're going to have a lot more interactive body language than say a more, a more solitary cat. Oh, okay. Brain turn on. Um, I, a lot of it is watching them with each other and, and, and watching their body language in that context and understanding. And I, I know a lot, but there's definitely times where I will watch them interact with each other. And I'm like, wait a second. What does that mean? What does that mean? Um, but, you know, your common tail flicks, um, which happens a lot with horses, um, ear pinning, which happens a lot with horses, um, you know, tigers show their teeth. That's kind of a good indication. But um, <laughs> yeah, the tigers on your head with with your head in their mouth. Right. Things you know, have gone south. Things, yeah. things are probably t- need to turn around. Um, but if you're previous- if you're missing body parts, that's a good indicator that whatever you're doing should probably stop. Probably. Probably. I, it definitely is definitely about just it, and, and they are going to warn you 500 different ways before even you even see their teeth. Um, lions yawn. There's a there's a, a yawning to lions when they're kind of don't like the situation. I've noticed and I went to Africa in November and I watched that happen in real life and in the wild and I'm like, hey, wait a second. <laughs> I know what that is. Um, and it's, I I spend a lot of time watching them. I spend a lot of time watching um, my uncle. I spend a lot of time watching China. I spend a lot of time watching Cody. And I've been spending a lot of time watching them. Even at nine, I was watching them. Like, okay, I remember coming home and trying to uh, train my cats. Like, a, I watched my uncle train tigers. So, um, <laughs> I'm sure that worked really well. Yeah, I seem to remember great. that none of your cats were trained, Alicia. What happened? So weird. Apparently, <laughs> so I, can, weird. I can just quit now. <laughs> Not at all trained. No. <laughs> um, but it's definitely, and a lot of it is trust of the people around me, you know, and, and listening and listening to their commands and 
um, of, of the people, not even the animal. Of you know, it's, it's definitely being you're you you are on the the tour. We call it the tour yard, um, where the guests come. You're on the tour yard with a big cat, and you know there are seven of us out there. You know, it's this is not a let's go peruse the jungles alone, but um, you know, it's it's it definitely is a full full joint effort it takes an entire team to be able to do what we do and I would never in my entire life think that I could walk up to a 500 pound male tiger and take it for a walk probably not at this point now if my uncle is standing behind me and he says you're fine then I trust him Um, but you know he definitely he's the person to talk to but you know he's popular and people everybody wants to talk to him and I'm way funnier so um (laughs) but he you know it's just it's just time it's time it's time and yes watching I will I will sit there and (laughs) probably more so than most people and just like watch them and you know laugh at them and watch them with each other and you know you the ears the ears are just cue and the tail is just cue and and they all well you can't see a lion's ears because obviously there's a mane but you know it's the cues the tail just you just know the tail and then the hunchness of the body they you know kind of raise their shoulders up more and you know they're trying to get down there's just so many cues like that and then they're just big dorks and they're just like we have big feet and we're walking oh and i'm good you know they just are dorks I have to admit that is the one thing I find fascinating and and ridiculous about tigers is their giant dinner plate feet that they look like it doesn't matter how old they're they're two or they're 20. They still look like they don't know what the hell to do with the things at the end of their legs. (laughs) Like unless they're actively using them to bring down prey, they are completely confused by the things at the end of their feet, the flippers. It's like, it's like watching a 14 year old boy trying to walk across the gymnasium half the time. Who grew, who grew yesterday. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That's, I have to say it's, it's fun to listen to you talk about your experience there because it's clear that you still just, thoroughly enjoy what it is you do and obviously like who wouldn't minus the humidity and bugs yeah um it just just love that sort of thing but is there is there an aspect of it of tiger training in general not not specific to your facility or location or anything but is there is there any part of it that you're like Oh, I wish I wish this wasn't something we had to deal with, or I wish that this wasn't something that we had to address, or I wish this wasn't something we had to train for. Um. Well, I don't know because I'm spoiled and have only really been here. A lot, of, yes, I guess in some ways there are just like there is anywhere there are stupid people that do stupid things and think they know what they're doing and take risks that shouldn't have never been taken or got their hands on an animal that they should have never gotten their hands on and they put other people in danger and therefore it ruins it for everybody and um, I do know that there are techniques out there 
that are just similar with, you know, dog training. And I, I don't, like I said, no one trains real cats, so that's probably not a problem. But, you know, and horse training and, you know, that you're like, really, that's what you're doing? You know, that's going to end badly. Um, I know that probably exists in the tiger world, but I don't know enough people who because I, our world is very small. As you know, you, everybody, you know, I'm going to bring it up. Everybody saw it on Tiger King. There's only three of us left and one of us is in jail. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, <laughs> but a lot of the facilities now are hands off because of the politics that are involved in, and all of the, the shenanigans and so many people who thought they knew what they were doing and didn't got too many people hurt. So then there's, there's laws, it's called the Haley Act, I believe, and that was mm-hmm. put in, my uncle used to do big tiger photos where you could come, and I don't know if you, when you were coming to Myrtle Beach, if you knew that, um, but until about yeah. 2002, he was doing big tiger photos, and then an act went through federally that made it so you could know, the public could no longer come in contact with animals over a certain size, um, depending right. on their level of danger. And that was because somebody thought they were an, a tiger trainer or a lion trainer. I can't remember the specifics. Got a girl killed. Um, and they tried to play some malarkey of, like, she was on her period or some shit like that, which is not true. None of that is true. That's all bullshit. Like, that is not a real thing. Even camping, ladies, it's not yes. a real thing. Thank you They're for telling everybody that. They used to say that forever. Don't go in grizzly yes. country if you're – I'm like, Really? It's because their body It's bloodlust. They have the taste for blood. <laughs> They're shaming us. You know, it's just that that societal thing of of you know shaming women of being natural, whatever. That's wrong podcast. Um, <laughs> but you know, and and, and so it, that's so it's so not true. And and that happened. And then my uncle went all through you know, federally and, and had lawyers and lobbyists and, and had this whole, I remember watching the video, I think I was like 15 or 16 that he had made where he put a live chicken and to show that this is, there's no possible way and all of these things. And it just, they went through, they react them through, which is fine. Um, and now they just keep trying to make more things like that go through. So, but there were people at one point who thought they could do what they were doing and screwed it up for everybody. So yes, I think there are ways out there that I don't like when it comes to that um but and a lot of places are no contact now you know so and that's fine and that's great and I think that's great that tigers still get to exist in this world with us even as no contact and I think if that's their prerogative that's their prerogative and it's just because you know they just you know keeping the staff is probably one of the hardest things to do I would imagine oh yeah because everybody thinks it. it's cool and fun and, you know, like me. Until, okay, you're, picking wanna... up, until you're picking up tiger shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to I train tigers until you realize that it is until, you know, it's from 8 in the morning till midnight. And it is all day, every day. And it is extreme consistency. And, ex- you know, every single interaction has got to be, uh, it's got to be, purposeful and And you have to and you have to be you have to be mentally aware you know that's the other thing too that's really hard for people that they can't even set their own discipline for themselves let alone set discipline for anything else yeah i it's 
it was always fun to me to watch the volunteers come through the hospital oh who thought God, that they would yeah. be restraining oh, animals and like assisting during surgery. And instead it's like, here's the laundry room. You live here now. Well, and so, so Alicia, I have one question for you. So, cause, cause we we're all in the same business to some extent. I mean, whether it's veterinary or whether it's dog training or horse training or, or and everything else training, yeah. um, we are all faced with a very loud vocal minority of lunacy um, that I'm not going to name, but we all know who they are. And they are really notorious for, you know, marching on things and, and inserting people into, into situations to then create falsified videos for lack of a better term. Uh, do you guys worry a lot about, I mean, cause I even, I mean, we, we're super cognitive about it um, in, I mean, YouTube has been taking down dog uh, sports, like b- bike wow. sport videos, because they consider uh-huh. it violence uh, because a dog is biting a person. I'm like, well, okay, if the person's biting the dog, fine. But the dog is <laughs> bred and really wants to bite the person. And the person's just yeah. a moving tug toy. But they're taking down like videos of, of, of bite work dogs, like in competitions. Because of the backlash uh, from the certain small minority. I keep saying small because it's important we understand that. Just because right. you're loud doesn't mean that you speak for many people. Correct. But there is a slippery slope. And and we all have to be cognizant of the slippery slope. I mean, the Greyhound folks just south of you in Florida lost all their places to, to race Greyhounds. And whether or not you agree or disagree with that decision... Um, it's coming down the pike that they're going to start, they're going to start focusing on herding because, well, we're, you know, our dogs might be mean to sheep or, you know, any of that. So do you guys spend a lot of time thinking about that? Do you kind of just go, well, there's crazies and we have to deal with it? Or, uh, I mean, I'd be worried about employees hiring somebody by accident. Yep. They, they hate us. Um, they have been, they have been after my uncle for, for years. Um, if, since the beginning of time, you know, honestly, they, yeah. and they pull, I, 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 I try to stay away from the articles because I get so upset about them because I'm like, this is such a bullshit. I would never work for a place that's like this. Are you freaking kidding me? Like, this is my family. So it, it touches home to me. My uncle is so, so much better at dealing with it. But yeah, no, they, yes, of course they, they, they want, they want, they're, they're coming for blood and, and they threaten and they send people and they, you know, they exist and they're out there. And that's why a lot of other facilities that, you know, who have been in the big animal, the exotic game and the big cat game no longer are because, because so many lawsuits have come up against them that they just can't afford to, to fight it off anymore. And they can't, you know, it's, as everybody knows, they, it happened on Tiger King. It, we witnessed it. We watched it happen to Joe Exotic's place. And Carol Baskin ended up getting Joe's zoo. That happened. That was real life because it drove him so insane in the amount of money that he put out there and the amount of time that he put out there. It all got taken because she had the money. And if you look at her facility, you know that there ain't no money going there. So what's going on? You know, it's a very double standard. But, oh, she's great. I think... And I'm going to say it. I think she is the crazy cat lady of the big cat world. 
and she is the one who has the 25 cats in her house that has, you know, the the cat brain eating disorder, and that is her. You know, that's just what she reminds me of. But. I will now. I will say because I've never been to the Tigers' main facility, um, but I did. May always make a point of stopping by the uh, barefoot landing facility. Yes. Um, always clean. Mm-hmm. Always smelled good. Oh, like the animals are were always clean, content, calm, fat. fat. Yes, they. <laughs> I did notice that. <laughs> um, You're all silently judging. <laughs> Sort of. It's a it's a bit of a double standard. Like if they were labs, I'd be like, Jesus, fuck, lady. But they can eat you, and so I'd rather they be full. Yeah. Um. You can't. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. it's Probably yeah. A good idea. But the 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 actual containment facilities down there are like very well thought out. They're you know obvious safety protocols in place. Um. You know, so just and and that's all I have to compare to what I was seeing on, you know, a re- reality TV documentary. But um, the the physical fencing alone that I was seeing at mm-hmm. some of these facilities, I was just like, oh, oh no, somebody's going to get at like right. that, <laughs> and then somebody did, and well, I was like, yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah, yep, there it is. Happening. <laughs> yeah, and it called it. They and the other thing too is the stuff at Barefoot Landing is those animals are only up there for two hours a day. Like none right, of them right. live there. And that's yeah. the other thing too is they, you know, they travel with us, which is actually really good for them because it's just new sights, sounds, and smells. But oh. yeah, that same thing with like if you look at the other facilities, and then you you and then, <laughs> I and I I knew that before I even before the sensationalized BS came out on Netflix, that other facilities were just, you know, I'd been to other facilities because, well, I love tigers, so why not travel and find places that have tigers? And I've gone to other places around the country, and I'm like, wait, wait, a, wait a second here. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm spoiled. I myself am spoiled because I have only known the Ritz-Carlton of the animal world. I have never known the trailer park down the road of the animal world. And so for me, it's even a shock to know that that, and that, that's, you know, and that exists and, you know, but everything about it is if people love their animals and they take care of their animals and they try to do that the best that they can for those animals. And, and it all is about the conservation and the education of, of wildlife, then I wish them the best. And, you know, I can't be a judge and I can't be a critic because not everybody can, you know, it's just, it's very hard for me because ultimately at the end of the day, in my opinion, is if I see the same love for the animals that I have here, you know, and if their, their potential enclosures are subpar, who, who am I to, to be a judge of that? You know, I don't know their situation. I don't know, you know, I just don't know. And I would hate even though it has, it happens, but I would hate for, you know, somebody to say, and some people do say about, and that, I guess that's probably what it is, is I know people say what they say about our facility. I've read it online and trolls are trolls and, right. and I hate it, you know, and I, you know, and I, 
grew up with with girls who didn't have money who had horses and they didn't necessarily but they loved their horses (laughs) right right and and so it's just it's it's so hard it's funny to me like because you get those people the keyboard warriors who think that they know you know and anything and everything about big cats and it it's just funny to me that like this is why I hesitated to compare them to house cats because people get on there and they think oh you know you need to treat them like house cats and they need to they need this and they need that and um and it's just like no their their needs are their their mental needs are entirely different. Their their physical needs are entirely different. And what you're seeing in a, you know, two minute walkthrough at Barefoot Landing or a, you know, thirty second snippet on some YouTube video is not that animal's entire life. Right. And it's it's you know, it was funny because it reminded me, um, I think it was the Denver Zoo has a fantastic uh, tiger exhibit. Um, I want to say it's Denver. It's a very large open air indoor exhibit. And it has a plexiglass wall, but the majority of the exhibit is a mountain. Mm-hmm. It's a mountainside. And so the cat can be above you and above that plexiglass and you know it's far enough back it can't like clear the plexiglass from where it is (laughs) or anything but the the way it's set up you very much feel like you're in the same room with a big cat Mm -hmm. and for the most part it doesn't really matter because they're just laying around being lazy cats right but the one time I went through there I don't know if it was the shirt I was wearing or what but I walked in and I was like, hey, look, Big Lazy Tiger. And Big Lazy Tiger went, oh, hello, snack. <laughs> and it sat up. And I noticed it sit up, you know, and we're reading the signs and we're kind of just wandering along. And it started with the tail twitching. And then it kind of sat up, sat up. And then it followed me very slowly as I worked my way through the exhibit. Wow. And about halfway through your little reptile brain goes, um, guys, <laughs> guys, 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 uh, it's not good. It's not good. And it, you know, it never did anything. It just, it just followed me from one side of the exhibit to the other and then sat there and stared at me like two bites. It would take two bites. And it still like made me go, they're still really wild. They're Mm -hmm. still really wild. I don't care how lazy you think they are, like, sitting there or how, I don't know, whatever. But, like, it became very, very clear to me that if that plexiglass wasn't there, I'd have peed a little. (laughs) (laughs) So, speaking of that, (laughs) so, Alicia, has there ever been, have you ever... So I guess because we have we've not talked about anything other than tigers. So um, I'll do this as a two part again too. So the first is because I, I am interested in chimps because chimpanzees are uh, to me a very 
um, dangerous animal and uh-huh. and incredibly smart. And so I'm kind of interested in, in how how that works with training them and and making sure they have the appropriate amount of enrichment. Because I mean, essentially, you're you're enriching a human being effectively mentally. Yes. And so, what it's like to work work with them. And then, do you have any do you have any kind of like close call stories of oh, good God, I I walked into the Denver Zoo and a tiger looked at me scary. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now, come on now. That is nope. not what I said. Nope, this is it. You're done. That's it. That's the story. It tried to eat me. <laughs> um, the chimpanzees are the funniest, coolest guys that I have ever been able to. It's. I was a nanny for about 10 years of my life, and it's very similar to being a nanny, except they, you know, are could pick up the entire table and throw it at you instead of just scream at you. But um, it's definitely just like being with kids, um, especially in their early years. Um, they mature so much faster than babies do, but it's a lot of the same enrichment, the same, you know, brain things, the, the same kind of, which is even more so than, than a wild chimpanzee would necessarily get. Um, it's, we say that our chimpanzees are co, are bicultural, so they live as chimpanzees with other chimpanzees as well as they live with humans and do human things with us as well. So they actually get so much more than, than a wild chimpanzee would because they get, you know, it's, there's so much more exposure. Their, their brains get to be that much bigger, that much more adapted to learn more um they are scary of course they are chimpanzees and they are the way i explain chimpanzee boys well chimpanzees in general is if anybody is a substitute teacher and they walk into a classroom with with middle school boys those middle school boys are going to give you the hardest time and that's kind of what dealing with a chimpanzee is as a new person. They're going to test you. They're going to taunt you. They're going to say mean things to you. They're going to throw things at you. They are going to be be adolescent boys. That's what they do. Um, and then, you know, they kind of like become more macho or more confident in themselves, and they don't they don't do it as much as they get older. New people, yeah, you're you stay away. You know, it's not a it's not a ballpark I would ever walk anybody into. Um, I work very closely with a nine-year-old, well, he turns nine in September, nine-year-old chimpanzee. His name is Bali. Um, He was raised with China in her bed every single night. He still sleeps in her bed with her. Um, And he, I came into the game later when he was a little bit older. I think he was about five or four. And in the beginning, he's like, who's this chick? What's she doing? I don't like you. I'm going to throw my orange at you. I'm going to do this. Are you going to react? How are you going to be? But now, Volley and I and China will do tie-dye shirts um, together on YouTube and sit there, and he looks at me and talks to me and grooms me and has, has accepted me as I am a troop member and I am okay and there's nothing wrong with me and the cookies help. Don't get me wrong. Um, <laughs> I have the treats. Always. And and then my cousin Cody um, has raised, raised Bali's brother, 
who is their brothers from other mothers, so they have the same dad. And uh, Sugriva is about nine months younger or something. And he's big. He's like 140 pounds, and he's only eight. He's a big chip boy. And, you know, he, it's the same thing. I am a neutral party. I am neutral. I don't know why. I don't know what. I couldn't explain it. Nobody really can. Um, but they come out every day on the safari or when we do safari and they play volleyball games with people. And Sugriva is way more chill. He's way more relaxed. Volley is a wound up child that once gets crazy and he even throws the volleyballs in my face. And, you know, it's just, it's just the game, but it's a matter of the respect and they, but it is, it's definitely like working with children, but it's, it's, it, I watched China with Volley and you're definitely, I don't, I don't know how to say it is. It's not like working with children in the 2000s and you're not coddling them. It's like working with children, you know, when actually children played outside. Um, okay. You know, that's kind of the difference is it, there's none of this like, oh, shrimpy poo, it's okay if you don't go potty in the bathroom until you're nine. <laughs> you know, it, that's, that's not real life, you know. So it's, it's hard to explain and I'm not judging anybody's parenting skills at all. I'm just saying it's definitely, you know, you're, it, yeah, I know. I failed. Okay. <laughs> but, Welcome you know, to the it's, club. It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's consistency, repetition, it's hanging out with them. It's, it's just, and for me, it's respecting the distance. Same thing, body language. You know, it, it's just, it's cool. I, working with the chimp, and right now we have a seven-week-old chimpanzee girl. Oh my that god! Came from um, another facility, and the mom was carrying her below the waist. And they say that if a mom is carrying a baby below the waist, she's not even going to try to help it survive. So at that point, human intervention came in. We have one, two three, four, five. Now she would be the sixth. We have six chimpanzees here. So the best thing for a chimpanzee is to be raised with another chimpanzee. Um, chimpanzees love chimpanzees. And so they called us and said, we'll call them, you know, and said, hey, this is what's happening. You guys have the chimpanzee troop there. Would it, you know, would you take her? <laughs> of course we will. <laughs> and she sleeps in Bali's arms every night with China. So now China has got a seven-week-old and a eight-year-old in her bed. Um, and they sleep. She doesn't. Tara doesn't sleep through the night, but Bali does. Bali goes to sleep at eight o'clock, watches the movie, passes out, doesn't wake up until eight a.m. Like that. That is what the chimpanzees do. They sleep. They are not. They don't wake up and ask for a glass of water. Um, and so, but you know, and so we have Tara. So getting to be around Tara as this little, and when we first got her, like she was like a little nothing, you know, like a newborn. You're like, wow, this is boring. And then literally within two weeks, she's alert. Her ears move, her eyes move, she smiles, she makes faces, she hoots at you. And so it's just that quick for them to mature. And then we have Angada, who's a one-year-old chimpanzee. And he's like the coolest little thing. And he's tough and he stomps around and he does parkour and you know and, and it's just like it's really neat I also got to help with orangutans um when I was younger um because we ha also have orangutans and they're big though so they don't come out they're like 300 pounds massive mature ranks but they are even cooler than chimps in the context that they're way more docile they're way more relaxed they're way they're they're not 
slower in brain. They're just slower in life. Um, <laughs> and they just don't, you know, they're not as offended as a chimpanzee. Because if you, some people, you make a face at a chimpanzee and they're mad, they're, they're offended. You know, it's like an adolescent boy. And um, That's so, so funny that they have that, that kind of, what we'd call a human reaction. Yeah. You looking at they, me? <laughs> you looking at me? Yeah. You know, when a fight, you know, it's like, it's so funny. And then they pick their people and they pick their troop and they know, they pick who to trust. And it's very, very cool working with them. And it's all a matter of respect. It's all a matter of, you know, the same thing just with any animal or human. It's just, it's, but yeah, but when we're with the chimpanzees and, you know, like I said, once again, it's like working big cats. There are eight of us that are sitting there that are trained animal trainers who have been in these animals' lives 24-7, seven days a week. It's not something that I'd be like, hey, Fred, you should go get a baby chimpanzee. It'll be cool because, yeah, it'll probably rip Fred's face off when it's about yes. 10 because, <laughs> you know, that's what happens. And then yeah. the close call, the close call. No, I personally have never had a close call. That's because I am a neurotic chicken shit. And, that is for um, the best. Please stay yeah, that way. Always, yeah. always, always. I'll always be that way. Um, so, no, for me, it's not, you know, they always say that I look confused. That's like the joke around here. He's like, why do you always look confused? And one of my cousin's fiance pointed out, she's like, you don't look confused. You're watching literally everything that's going on the entire time. That's just who you are as a person. And, and that's what, and that, and it's, you know, my shifty eyes. Well, they're not shifty eyes. I'm like, okay, what's that person doing? Okay. (laughs) And my biggest thing is protecting the public. You know, that's my number one priority is protecting the public. your eyes are shifting looking for morons because the public doesn't want their protection. They're just, they're like, let me pet the wild animal. Or, you know, the time that you're taking your, your, you know, 300 pound tiger for, a walk around the facility and they decide that they're going to eat that monkey and then you're on your, your butt and you're being drugged to the other part of the property. Like that, that's happened. That's life. You know, that's, that's not really a, to me, that's not a close call. I find it to be way more entertaining that I can't stay on my feet sometimes, but I think that's, I think the monkey would call it a close call. I was going to say at at least, at least the grass stains on your shorts hide the other stains from your shorts (laughs) when that happens. (laughs) So it's, you know, and it's that kind of stuff. Like I'm sure, I'm sure even if you ask Cody the same exact question, he would have the same exact answer because his level of understanding and fear is just even that much more superior than mine. And for him, it's just a second nature. So for him, it's not that scary. You know, so what would scare me is not necessarily going to scare him. And what's going to scare Doc is not necessarily going to scare Cody. So it's just, you know, I think it's a level of, but no, I've never had anything on top of me with his mouth open. And I'm like, well, this is the end. Like, no, that's never, that's never, I've never seen that. I've never (laughs) seen that happen here. Like I've never, and that's the way my uncle wants it to be. It just, right. You're doing it wrong if you're in constant danger. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Wow. So, so yeah, it's definitely um, and and like I said, I trust I trust my family one hundred percent, and I wouldn't be in this industry if I didn't, and I wouldn't be you know making YouTube's with a nine year old chimpanzee if I didn't have a level of trust of the people around me, and that's the last thing my uncle and especially China are ever going to do is put me in a position where I'm going to get injured, and I know that because I have said I can do that, and they said no, you can't. 
and the fact that I, and I also will say, I can't do this. And I will openly say, I don't feel comfortable doing this. I, and that's okay. You can say that that's allowed. And, you know, it's a matter of, okay, let's get you to, it is, let's get you to the point of where you do feel comfortable doing this. And, you know, why, why aren't you comfortable? And, you know, of course there's all of those questions and how can we fix it? And, you know, where is it, you know, and it's just, and that's what it is. It's, it's, it's communication, it's family, it's, you know, and, and we're all working towards the same thing of, of, of saving this wild world that is so quickly, we're so quick to get rid of. And, you know, Myrtle Beach Safari funds the Rare Species Fund. The Rare Species Fund is, you know, the 50 active conservation programs that we have across the globe that we actually physically take the equipment to the ranger stations in Uganda and Sumatra. We physically bring them the drones. We physically bring them the donation checks. You know, it's not something that we just like send over and hope it gets there. You know, Rob, Dr. Robert Johnson has been doing this with my uncle now for almost th- over 30 years. And he goes every year to all of our conservation projects and takes camping equipment and new headlamps and new rain jackets and all of the stuff that is needed for the people that are fighting on the ground with these animals every day to ensure that they are alive at the end of the day of the wildlife. And that is what Rare Species Fund is. That's what Myrtle Beach Safari is all about. And I know, but people want to take pictures of tigers and that's what they're going to do. So because those people are going to do that, well, we might as well utilize that to use that money to put it forth uh-huh. to something bigger and you're not going to stop the people who, who don't want to do it and by no. touching a tiger touching an elephant you know sitting with a baby chimpanzee you create an emotional connection with that animal sitting in your lap that you are more likely to want to save them because the oxytocin has been released in your body and that emotional connection is made versus doing it through glass it's just it's just a proven science that the the chances of you thinking about it more are going to happen more so versus the other way. And that's, well, yeah, yeah absolutely. And I mean, absolutely, yes, that's, a, that's the thing I think that frustrates me the most is that there are so many of these facilities, not necessarily big cat facilities, but just exotic animal facilities that do, or zoos or, you know, you know, things in that realm that do so much good for conservation efforts. And they can do those things because of the public interface. Like the public interface is what makes the rest of it possible. And it's so short-sighted to look at them and go, but they keep cats in cages. Well, yeah. I'm sorry. Would you would you rather we kept them in bouncy houses? Because that's just right. not going to work out well for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> It's good. Well, it won't be bouncy for very long, you know. No, no. no. Okay, but I, but where I, do you want to keep I your agree. tigers? That's what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm going to put mine in a laundry basket in my bedroom. Yeah, right. I, I um, agree. Absolutely. I, you know, people are like, well, we should get rid of zoos. And and and, and I'm like, okay, well, I, I understand the concept. I do. because But zoos have done a very good job of, of really stepping up and trying to work mm-hmm. on enrichment. But enrichment yeah. is expensive, and I get that. You know, it's hard to retrofit you know, small town X's zoo to be a billion dollar thing when there's 15 people around it. I, I understand that. And, but I also look at it like a little kid is going to remember 
uh, my neighbor's little kid is three, and she went to the Reed Park Zoo uh, last summer. And I think she fed a freaking giraffe. I think they fed oh, them. I'm so jealous. And I'm like, I always miss feeding time. Who is going to forget that? You will forget. I watched thousands of hours of Mutual Omaha Wild mm-hmm. Animal, thing, which probably is dating me because no one knows what the hell I'm talking about. But I do. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, Mutual of Omaha. So, yes, Wild Kingdom. Yeah, so yep. I watched thousands of hours of that, but I don't remember one, I don't remember one piece of it, not not a single moment of that. But I remember when I was three years old and I asked my dad to ride a horse for the first time. Right. And that led to a lifetime love with that animal. And... Uh-huh. You can't replicate that. You cannot replicate that. And, and you know, my neighbor, gets, she's coming over and feeding sheep, and hopefully she'll grow up and she'll love animals. And, you know, maybe she doesn't become a sheep farmer. We probably don't need a lot of those. But, <laughs> but you know, she's hanging out with Billy the Kid all the time. And you, exactly, you will never forget that. I still remember, I know I'm going to get pilloried for this. My family, friend of our family drugged me to SeaWorld, which I really don't like not because of the issue with the whales but because i hate crowds and i hate and i hate places that are designed entirely to extract money from people and i they don't have enough in-depth sciencey stuff for me it's a little too childy oriented because and they're also running around lots of feral children yuck so anyway but i we did all stand in line like dipshits to pet a whale i think it was a i think it was a, a killer whale and I'd never, you know, obviously, when when, when have I ever freaking petted a whale? Never. It's never come up. And I still, rem- I st- I'll never forget it. And obviously, yep. I believe deeply in, I, you know, I wasn't a whale murderer before. <laughs> 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 I wasn't ordering whale murderers no, but- prior. But it's certainly something that if I was a child, if I'd been at the age where my my brain wasn't set, that would really be impactful. And and I think that exactly like Alicia was saying that, yeah, we can give money to conservation and we absolutely should. We have to save these animals in situ as best we can. But we lost one, I can't remember the species, but we lost a rhinoceros two years ago, mm-hmm. forever. We're going to lose those little tiny porpoises in the Gulf of Mexico. They are gone. The scientists mm-hmm. have pretty much wrung their hands and said, forget it. We can't save this entire species of porpoise. And they're gone. And... And that, that's horrifying, but everything that we can do to get people to understand the, the, the importance of these animals, if it means a couple of them live in the tragedy of being hand-walked by Alicia every day, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's part of me is like, you know, how, come on, you know, half of these tigers, I'm sorry, wild animals don't have, fa- they don't wake up going, oh my God, I want to be wild and free and eaten. Right. And, yeah. And, and I'm not saying that we should pull them all out of. I, I believe in wild and free. I absolutely do. But at the same time, I don't think that if we if we step up and we do the right thing and we make sure nutritional needs are met and we make sure that enrichment needs are met, which I which is big. And like I said, that's the hugest sea change that's going on in zoos and, yeah. and care taking places across the nation. And I did read on your, you know, that that's a big thing for you guys. I mean, you talked the whole first 15 minutes about enrichment for baby and socialization for baby tigers you probably do more socialization on baby tigers than 90 percent of americans do on their damn dogs and or children okay or children and um 
you know, I, I just, I look at these things and I think they make a powerful statement. And the statement is, is that we, we need to step up and we need to save, save these animals. And if I could figure out how to do show notes, I will put all the links in my show notes, but uh, the likelihood of me being able to do that is pretty limited. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) That's too funny. (laughs) So Alicia, thank you very, very, do you have anything, any last things to say? No, I, I'm, Thank you for having me on. I, it's been it's been a, it's been awesome. I'm very excited that I got to, a chance to do this with you guys. I am so it's glad awesome. to have met you, and um, I'll be coming to a couch near your living room as soon as I can afford a ticket. <laughs> Good. And um, in the meantime, like I said, um, we it's picking up. The YouTube's picking up. It the Myrtle Beach Safari YouTube page is, you know. <laughs> Well, I'm funny, so as you know, <laughs> and what's better than funny and a chimpanzee cooking cake for its brother? I, did I see, agree. I, did, I think I saw that, and I, I've seen several of the chimpanzee ones, and they're pretty, They're pre- I'm not a big video person, but they're pretty hilarious. And I just want to say thank you so much, Alicia, for taking a chance on us and hoping that this Absolutely. doesn't all get deleted. But, um, and... And Thank Alicia, you for taking a chance on us with all the, the politics out there, you know. It's, well, it's, we're not it's, scared of we're not scared of politics because we have no listeners. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> that's not where I thought that was going. <laughs> It's easy not to be worried about politics when there's three people listening to you. But um, but anyway, no. And what I want to say is, you know, so I met Alicia when when she you were like. 12 or 13 right when we met yeah, yeah. yeah. 11 I think yeah maybe she was 11. a fetus she was a little a, a youngin and she was a little bit of a she was her own worst enemy she was a car wreck and I remember the, when I first started working at the barn if there was a way for Alicia to damage herself she was all in I mean she if there was something stupid that you could do with a horse not only was she doing it she was inventing ways to do it more painfully <laughs> And, and I remember she, but she was a fantastic student, man. She took in every word I said. And I think within the first year, she went from like 15 falls in two months. It was like this ridiculous record that will never be broken, even by jockeys and people who break Mustangs for a living. (laughs) And to like no falls in three years in a row, because she, you know, she was talking about watching. She Frickin' pays attention, man. So I am so glad, Alicia, that you got you landed in this place. And I'm so glad that you found your your true aim and finally got there after, oh, my God, a brutal 30 years. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Not dead yet. <laughs> um, yeah. And thank you very much. We'll ha- I'm going to I think we'll have you on again. It was really, really fun. I yes. agree. Please I agree. Do, please do. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we will say goodbye for now. Um, I guess now is when we're supposed to say um, rate, review, and follow us. What is it? You How do you you suck in a podcast forever? What's it called? Subscribe. Thank you. Rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you very subscribe. much. And, <laughs> and we're <hoping> everybody. <laughs> and, and share. Ooh. So have a good one, and thank you all. Thank you. The link for our podcast show notes are going to be found in the description from tonight, from today's show. Also, you can access it on our website, www.com.
Empire Ridge Ranch dot com forward slash podcast. Again, the link will be found in the episode notes as well, which you can access on your podcast venue. Thanks.